Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here's another exclusive interview on Take It Personal Radio. All right, we have a special, special guest. We have the man, Farrell Monch. He's live and direct. What up, Farrell? Peace, 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 peace. There, uh, there's so much that all of us here want to talk about with you, and, and I know you've been asked these questions, but before we get into the hip-hop, before we delve into that, I got to ask you, as a man who always kind of battles weight as I've gotten older, how did you go from looking like Questlove to Michael Strahan? What, what was your secret? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it, it's been stages, and the stages have been due to educating myself more and more uh, along the way. And my diet still isn't as uh, refined as it could be, but... It's really about diet and moving. I'm asthmatic as well, so it's important that I just stay moving and active and lifting and away from liquor as much as possible. Yeah, your transformation has been amazing. Although I did see on IG the other day, it looked like you were drinking a uh, a, a Coors or, or a Blue Moon and you had a vape pen and a Barry Manilow record, none other. So I, that was a weird combination, but... Uh, nonetheless, yeah, man, I took the picture. That's why I took it that way, <laughs> in that direction, so people would be like, "This dude is fucking out of control with Larry Manilow." A hip hop dichotomy, man. Right. You gonna get on the remix of Mandy? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you know what? Let's do this. Let's do a timeline to give the listeners a true, enjoyable experience. Um, pardon if we get redundant, but it's important that we put things in perspective. So, ninety-one Hollywood Records which is owned, I think, by Michael Eisner, who's who's Disney, which is Disney Records, right? Yep. Hollywood Basic, you guys came off of, or you came out of. And I think it was, what, four or five years Hollywood Basic existed. So my question to you is, how did that deal come about? I know Paul C., rest in peace, was was, was a part of you guys starting out. And, and he was kind of like Dilla, like a, a once-in-a-lifetime talent, gone way too soon, but he was instrumental in, in getting you guys going. Um, when you once buy simply two positive MCs. So take us down to that path, the connection, how did the whole Hollywood basic thing come about, um, and take it from there. I mean, we started out like just inspired from the culture, if I can say so, myself. So we were just rooted in those cats who were really raw or really trying to put their foot into something that was exploding and not just a record industry like the vibe of everything combined and so uh, we went in and we refined our skills locally you know for a local DJ you know I promised my pops we, we would be professional and he was like you got one year 
because uh, me and Prince Paul both went to art school, so he was kind of like forsaking something off the rip. Uh, Kwame went to that school. Prodigy went to that school. Percy T went to that school. Oh. It was just rich and uh, MCs and, you know, not all at the same time, but, you know, but just to give you a background. So you and Prince met, met back in school, you're saying? Yeah, we met in, in, in school. I mean, I knew him before then, but... And Kwame was rocking the polka dots back then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, shortly shortly after, shortly after, I know he had one talent show that he, he bodied, you know. So even then, the competition was very, very high. So, you know, we were, we were already starting to get in shape and, and hone our craft. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we decided to do it professionally. And um, I had a year, and uh, at the end of the day, we get discovered by Paul C., you know, working on some demos in Queens. And he walked into the room, and he walked out. He didn't say anything, but later, he reached out to us and was like, yo, what I heard was, you know, pretty insane. And so uh, the demo that Paul C. worked on, Simply Too Positive, got shot at Def Jam uh, through Bobito. And initially, uh, Russell um, passed on us and Nas. Hmm. And we eventually ran into um, Russell at a party. And he was like, yo, people are, you know, raving over this demo. What are you guys looking for? So he kind of came back around. But the offer that he gave us wasn't half of what we got at Hollywood. So we just was like, fuck it, we're going to take a shot and sign at a label in Cali, which was so foreign. It was a Disney record. I mean, literally, it was Disney money, right? Hollywood records. Right. And you know, they had uh, some Queen, the rights to some Queen records, and they were doing some heavy rock shit. Since they were kind of prominent and Dave Funk and Klein was prominent out there, they were trying to sign Cypress and Naughty. Hmm. And um, wow. I remember they passed on Cypress because they were trying to get Cypress to take the N-word out of their songs. And B-Real was like, what the fuck, bro? Like, you're <laughs> not going to do that. You had mentioned uh, Russell. It wasn't Russell critical of... The, like, he was pretty much, like, shitting on the names, like, Simply Two MCs or, or Simply yeah, Two Father, rather. Yeah, he's the reason why we changed the name because in that, in that second time around with him, he was like, fuck it, you know, the demo is, is dope, but, you know, I can't fuck with you guys with this whack-ass name. And we was like, what? <laughs> and we were like, STP, you know, like the oil. He was like, yeah, that shit is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> a moment of your time. The rhymes I design will make you wiggle your spine as I combine my line to the paragraph. Created by the STP rap staff, I commence to kick a Prince Poe sentence. So keep you on an inclined in step and intent. The kid must remain to be the king of this new thing. So I swing when I bring a new song for you to sing to. Although most MCs can't cling to. We're better, fresh instead of stale. Releasing a talent most can't catch. According to the scratch, we rap attached like Voltron. We no longer Slow up, we proceed to go on and flow on and so on and so on and so on. So, how did you come up with organized confusion? Um, we went back to the lab and we were like, we need something that describes what we got so far. And 
how far we want to stretch. Yeah, Cat had an organized confunction record, and um, we just flipped it, you know? Yeah, uh, okay. Oxymoron, like man. Got it. Now, what year was that? Shit, this was uh, obviously 90, 89. Well, because Paul died in, in 89, and I think your first record came out in, what, 91? Yeah, so <clears throat> why the record sounded so experimental is after he passed, you know, he was an arrangement master as well. You know, he was beating us into shape, but after we, he passed, we just, we, we had garnered deals. So we had to go ahead and do the shit on our own. And so at that point, we're basically walking into the studio with records and making them shits on the spot. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a lot, a lot of pre-production back then. Now, Paul C. had a, had a special way about him. I mean, of, of course, now it, it's easy to see everyone talks about him on so many levels of genius and kind of the first, uh, you know, ring in his style. But, I mean, how was that working with him and, and how much did he influence you guys at that particular stage of, of the game? It was amazing, man. It was like he had already worked with Ultra and Super Lover C large you know large would be in the sessions and just just great queens MCs would be in there and so he was the first one to structure because we, we started getting a buzz that we could rap but he was the first one to tell me like yo you gotta fucking change that you know 25 bar shit to a 16 bar shit and I'm like I gotta cut. I'm I'm Pharaoh. I gotta cut my rhyme. He was like, <laughs> "Yeah, you gotta fucking cut your fucking rhyme down." You know. Yeah. No. And, and you know, was Large playing that apprentice role at that stage? I mean, you know, that's what we all know and and, and hear. Yeah. I mean, he was he was doing shit with the drum machine that I'd never seen before, and the he was doing chops back then, and he was truncating in a certain way back then, and he would get a certain swing. He was a drummer himself. You know, there's, there's jam sessions with him on drums and Paul on drums and Keys and fucking uh, early Akinelli and Nas and just cats in the studio, you know, just being loose, like just, just being free. But under when we made records, he structured, you know, he, he showed us structure and arrangement. Yeah. Tell us about Fudge Pudge. So that was the debut of OC, um, right? I'm correct. It's, it wasn't the... Uh, yeah, yeah Fudge definitely. Pudge, Fudge Pudge is definitely before uh, Back to the Grill Remake. Okay, so Fudge right. Pudge is the is the debut of OC. OC, Omar, and, and you, don't, you're like childhood friends, right? Yeah, he, he moved across the street from me. And um, at the time, I was, you know, sharpening. I felt like I was sharpening up. And um, uh, big sports fan, so we played basketball and we were playing baseball. Like we would do all this shit in a day and play two hand touch. I called him one day, and one day he was like, "Yeah, I rhyme." Now it's kind of like, ah, fucking everybody rhymes. (laughs) 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 And um, he just spit some shit on the block, and I was like, "Oh shit!" It was the kind of good that you're like we got to get this kid on something you know and then at that point he 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 was his sword was sharp and we 
really went in at that point. Like we were not only going at each other bars for bars for bars, we were freestyling. We were we were trying to, you know, it was the best that I ever was at off the top of the head. Like we were going in at that point in terms of exercising and lyricism. You know, we were like, yo, we gotta throw you, we gotta throw you on this this, this joint. Cool story about uh, Time's Up. I actually had that record, and uh, me and Prince tried to do it, and I, I, I thought it was pretty whack. Oh, I shit. felt like what I wrote was pretty whack, so I was like, yo, here. And he came back the next two days with the first verse, and I was like, okay, the record's yours. Wow. <laughs> That's nice. I don't think a lot of people know well, that. So you had, wait, wait, so you had dibs on the beat, you're saying? Uh-huh. Wow! Shit! Did you know? It was know? just a record. You had yeah. no idea that it would turn out to be his magnum yeah. opus. It was I mean, just a was... record. I had looped it up. You know what I'm saying? Which is rhyming to the loop. And you know what's cool about you guys is that you've maintained that relationship. Like you, you guys still work together to this day, which is is not entirely too common in this in this industry. I mean, you've had this friendship that has stretched decades, and it, it's cool to see. And, and it looks like obviously you both challenge one another and make one another better. It's kind of like Nas and AZ, so to speak. You know, like you mm-hmm. bring out the best mm-hmm. of one another. So that that is cool to see. Um, all right, so we got that the debut album. The next album was 94. Hell of a year, man. This was, this was, let's argue, one of the greatest years in in all all, hip-hop. Why don't we all pause for a moment and congratulate this man, because it's 24 years to the date that this album was released. Congratulations, Farrell Monch, Prince Poe, Organized Confusion. Stress the Extinction Agenda. Thank you for sharing your time with us tonight. I mean, there's a hell of a lot more things you could be doing than talking to us, so we feel very grateful for this. This Um, is... Thank you, man. Man, this album from front to back is perfect. The the album art, Matt Dew, I mean, rest in peace, another one that Matt and his brother Garnett, I mean, this is... This is such a, a classic piece of hip hop that to this day still resonates, still plays. It's not aged, uh, you know, poorly. It has actually gotten better. It was ahead of its time, both on the production end and, and on the lyric side. And all of us right. here at this table th- can't thank you enough. Uh, but let's get into that, man. I mean, so this album, this is it. This was one of the greatest albums to drop, especially in, an, in a year. You had Illmatic, you had Ready to Die, Southern Playlistic. I mean, classic after classic every Super Tuesday, and this was one of them. Tell us, what was it like making this album? Oh, man. Um, 
it's just amazing that this album is on this day. But uh, we were we were digging, heavy, heavy digging, you know, learning things from Paul and learning things from Finesse and being around and moving out of our borough more. And uh, we toured off of the first album. So now we're being exposed to different people and we're broadening our horizon. Actually, Buck Wild was on the first tour we ever went on. Um, Lord Finesse had brought Buck Wild on that tour. And um, he told me recently that he was just so amazed to be around, you know, biz and organized and, you know, OC. And we had records popping at the time. And he was just starting off producing. He said he had no idea that he would be able to produce for us so quickly. So um, that that particular album was, uh, we were in the trenches, my pops passed away. Um, the competition was, was incredibly heavy and um, it was still heavy, uh, real cultural. So we were like, we gotta just pave a lane and carve a space within this, this culture and find our sound and find our voices. So we were heavily paying attention to that. As well as one thing I remember is, um, you know, one appreciation I got. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From digging was, if these songs are resonating with my spirit, you know, and those songs were 10 years, 20 years old, it made us think about what type of records we would have to make to make them have a long shelf life and have people talk about the shit 24 years later like we're doing now and um it's not only in the um the sample or the writing but it is in the gut and the spirit and um you know on the today with aretha franklin passing right you know it puts into perspective you know how much of yourself and how much of your soul you do put into um, a vocal performance and how deep you do try to dig, you know, and, and to this day, I think MCs and lyricism is marginalized because there's so many different levels you could look back or look at an MC and there's so many layers there to um, to judge and, and to how to listen and how to grade. But for that particular album, um, we were kind of pulling from the gut and trying to push the envelope where we were trying to, where it was simple, we were trying to uh, be as heartfelt as possible and honest as possible. And, and you were, because, I mean, speaking from the gut and performance, I mean, you mentioned finesse, but, you know, to also mention Buck Wild, Rock Wilder, Q Tip, I mean, as far as the production of this particular record, I mean, I mean there were classic albums at that particular time. 
that had a multitude of uh, producers on them, but you had that as well. I mean, who approached who and like, this was the transformative album. How did that particular group or the collective of producers all wind up happening? Did you choose them? Was it something that like they wanted to be a part of? How, talk about the process of the multitude of producers that you had on this particular record. Um, you know, we, we, were, we were going hard as well, but we realized, uh, you know, after a year of being professional, that people don't do it by themselves. I looked at the multitude of producers in and around the tribe sessions and the large sessions and, you know, just having that, even studios, you know, we would be in battery and tribe would be in the next room. And, and you did most of the recordings at battery, right? Right. You know, that record happened because Q-Tip was like, came in our session and was like, what in the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, shit. That's just crazy. Like, I, and and he's such an artist. He was like, yo, I'm, I'm hearing something right now. Like, what is, I'll go in the booth right now. I'm like, wow. So it was super organic. It was a lot, a lot of things nice. that are um, probably can't transpire like that anymore because everybody's working from home. Yeah. It can't be like that anymore for sure. Well, yeah, you know, um, people wanted to work with us, and um, we, we were just listening to a multitude of things and trying to figure out what fit into the, the scheme of what we were trying to do. And, and be honest, you know, we're from South Jamaica, seeing people get shot and murdered and been in the hood and seeing everything there's to see on that side. But we were also... Um, you know, art students and comic book fans. And I'm like, I can't lie about that. You know, if you're going to be that, then be honest with that as well. And I, I think therein lies the kind of chambers that we opened. If I, if I could look back where a lot, a lot of artists today and back then, you know, was like, when I heard these songs, this let me know it was okay to, uh, you know, broaden. I was having a conversation with Will I Am. I was having a conversation with Souls. I was having a conversation with Company Flow, you know. So, um, you know, it was a way of kind of being a nerd. That, that, that album kind of merges together. You know, the the kid that is definitely from the hood, but uh, went to art school. So, hey, Pharaoh, talking about comic books, talking about this wonderful album, I got a question that's been bugging me for 24 years. I got to ask you. There's been some listeners who have actually asked us to ask you this question as well. Who are the four heads that are on the artwork of this album I want to say one of them is uh, Prince Paul. I don't know. I, I might be wrong. No, no, no. The but, four in your yeah, body. So yeah, the four. The, you, Vincent, you know what I'm talking about. You got, Vincent, you got, you have, you have you and Prince Paul, right. but Prince Paul, I think, might be one of them. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what's going on there? So. so since since the people are unknown, they get compared to people. So the guy, the the, the man over my heart is my father. Okay. Oh wow. Right. All right. The guy to the right of him 
was uh, my best friend and very uh, integral in the making of both albums. He discovered a record collection in the Bronx. Uh -huh. We were like best, best, like we, he was from the Bronx. He would come out to, to Queens and stay at my crib and knew all my other friends and we would dig and dig and we would do the same out in the Bronx. So he's a real dear friend of mine and was one of the original organisms from the first album. Right. Um, the lady, mm -hmm. I just felt like I needed somebody with an afro because I wanted soul. <laughs> Pam Greer. I, I said it looked like Pam Greer. Yeah, it looked like Pam Greer. <laughs> right. So we picked a random album cover and then the other dude is OC. Oh, that's OC? It's a no, little like yeah. Talib before no it was shit. born. No, I see. Exactly. Oh, shit. Now, you got like the, the Hulk hands. Is that, I mean, you were just talking about comics before. So did you tell Matt like some of your interests and, and he just came out with this? Or is this something? Oh, that, my God. How did that work? He was insanely crazy, uh, so hyper just growling and yelling all the time about artwork and like when we did this he like interviewed us got into our heads he had his ideas of what our music made him feel so he came up with this entire concept of the lava and he was like you're like the hawk and I want to put the hands in. you know <laughs> yeah. so all of that shit was him you know wow and um just genius man when I it, it's like a 30 by 45 fucking actual painting and uh yeah I went to his house to see that shit man I was just like I was blown the fuck away he did incredible work I mean that in the co-flow album cover I know he did the, the body rock but um what a talent man what a fucking talent incredible and you know like I said besides the music I mean it still resonates to this day I mean, you could pick up this album cover and, and, and it just it, it has such an impact on you and then you we see something new every time you look at it yeah this is crazy it's almost like where's Waldo there's some crazy shit up in here I got <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then he was he was doing the collage and paste shit back then yeah. like but to see that shit so big like the news articles and the cop and the pig and all that other shit. I was like, yo, this shit is crazy. I mean, this is 94. Yeah, and in 94. My favorite year of hip hop. Would it, was it tough for you to have a classic album in 94, as crazy as that sounds? Um, There's so many. Think about Common and OC and Scarface and Gangstar and Outkast and Nas. And yeah, it Biggie. was crazy. It was crazy. It's stupid. I mean, it's crazy. We, 92, 93, 94. We don't have those years. Ever. We will never have those years. But for you to have a classic and and truly it, it is it stood the test of time. It's a true classic. It was ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. Yeah. It, it was almost unfair for you to drop a classic in 94. You know, like if you dropped it in 95 or 96, maybe it would have garnered more attention than it deserved. I mean, than that it got during that, that time. Um, one, one thing I wanted to say about the, the record, too, is because of all of that, um, all the people you named, when Buckwild played me the stress record, I was like, this has to be the single that the way that the horns cut through. You know, I was like, this fucking song will help, um, good or bad, will help carve us a, a frequency and a, and a sound um, of, of that apocalyptic shit that, that 
I was looking for. Dude, it worked. It worked. Because you know why? For me, personally, first time I ever heard your music was Yo! MTV Raps, Stress Video, and I fell in love at that moment. The energy, (laughs) the darkness, just the aggressiveness. It it was amazing. And the B-side, the remix. One of the best remixes of all time. Oh, my God. I mean... Right up there with PE, right up there with, with, with Black Moon. Yo, it's the verbal assault. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, man. It was. That, that shit was hard, man. Paul was. Paul is a um, is a perfectionist, and um, he's one of the hardest working dudes in terms of work ethic. Um, I I know mine's is high. I know I got around daylight in the studio, and I was like, Jesus Christ! But <laughs> Paul is Paul is up there. And on, on that remix, um, he went through like three amazing um, different things he was trying before he got to that. And the ones before that were equally as insane. And and when I, I remember when I was coming in off that drum roll, I kept fucking it up because it's not on a 4-4, four four, like the way that drum roll comes in. And he was like, count it, man, count it. Yo, it's the verbal assault weapon with words uncanny. You can fool me, but I cannot fuck with Rudy Giuliani. Press the panic button, shit, it's the schizophrenic cannon. I can kill it from the West Coast to the Atlantic. Nowadays, it seems it's hard to maintain. Can't take the stress. It's God, I'm going insane. If you can feel my pain, say yes. Yes. If you can feel the pain, say stress. Pharaoh, I possess the skills to bring it to your chest with lyrics and manifestations for the entire nation. With his excellency, Prince standing next to me, and especially the extra P on the SP. 12-0-0, I stand tall and be a hero when times are stressed, but Pharaoh won't fess. <laughs> he was yelling and shit, but he claims he didn't yell at me, but he was definitely yelling. <laughs> oh, so good. So you probably get asked this a lot, but do you have, and it may change, but do you have a favorite off of this album? Yeah, I, I, I would say it would have to be um, between... Stress and 13. 13 is great. 13 so good. Yeah. I mean, listen, first of all, I, I just want to take a, a step back and say I'm a huge fan. I've been studying you since the days of Fudge Pudge. And of course, Extinction Agenda is one of my top albums of all time. And the one thing I notice about you in particular is your rhyming style, your flow patterns, the way you, the way you come across on the mic. Dare I say you sound like a brilliant schizophrenic and you create your own lane. You know, look, this comes to my first question. I don't know where I heard it, but somebody influenced you early on in your career and told you the key to being on the mic is to sound incoherently crazy or something to that effect. Who was that conversation with? And do you thank him every day for helping you mold kind of your rhyme style? I mean, it's a little off. I think I know the conversation you're talking about. Um, I had one similar like that with a guy named Benny Rat. Yeah, because he came, I talked to him before, and he's the one who told me the story. But I, I just wasn't sure, and I didn't want to bring it up unless I had a little, you know. Unless, well, you did. Yeah, so I, so I did. <laughs> yeah. So can you explain a little bit about that, and do you still talk to him? I, I don't. But, you know, again, man, it was like, how do you cut through of, of all of these nice people, as well as the schizophrenic um, multi-personality shit is from having so many dope influences at the time. I mean, you're talking about um, 
KRS-One, Ra, G-Rap, Kane, Chuck, L. You know, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I want my diction to be like Chris. Yeah. I want my um, I want my patterns to be like G rap. Hmm. I want my I, I want to and my inflections to be like Chuck. Hmm. You know, so when you hear me go into those different spaces, that's kind of all the people I'm pulling from. Did Paul's work with Ultra influence you? I know he was was pretty big with with you know Ultra and Cool Keith especially. So definitely. Definitely. 100% definitely I just remember this Ultra in general them dropping Ego Trip and uh, Prince had got a new box we were just fucking with that record so hard and then the records that Paul did for them they were just you know they felt like art school shit and nerd shit not nerd in a bad way but just like who raps like who keeps albums that were ahead of their time you have to think critical beatdown and then obviously oh. yours as well so that's that was the comparison i was trying to draw i would think that you would have that influence from, from paul which is which is pretty great Definitely. so, so let, let's take it to 97 now so now we're off hollywood basic we're on priority records they are a powerhouse you dropped the equinox i love you i just met you 30 minutes ago but i'm gonna keep it 100 Something just didn't feel right on this album. What was it? Um, if I just don't think about it, I, I, first I would say I think we tried to do too much. Okay. And then we had a deadline, and I I was pushing to get the skits done to tell this kind of story. And at the end of the day, you know, it was exhausting as fuck to get done. It, the shit was way more complicated than it would have taken now, but like we were in the studio with the dude doing narration and... It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we were way behind schedule, as well as our touring schedule was crazy and we didn't have as much time as we were used to formulating because we were touring the success of the the stress album 
Did it lose spontaneity? I mean, did you guys feel like the synergy was a little off? Um, I think one thing we tried to do was to create in the story what I feel we gave you overall as a group and the story trying to intertwine. But in that, I think it's the most kind of earthly record we did in terms of straightforward, in my opinion. It wasn't as uh, organic. Well, ah. Well, I don't want to act like it was a bad album. I mean, when I say it sounded different, maybe it was Priority Records, maybe it was the climate of hip-hop, maybe it was just the vibe between you and Poe, because... all of those things, you know, because- I, w- I would have to give. Yeah, no, I would have to give a percentage to all of those things combined were off kill. Yeah. And I, I think in the end, we tried to pull it together. How we tried to pull it together. But it's just not cohesive. Well, ironically, you have songs like like hate, like which is pretty powerful and like pretty relevant today. I mean, we're talking about 97, but, you know, uh, someone said one of the listeners like with what was going on in Charlottesville and recently in DC like hate was almost ahead of its time too I mean you had you had a lot mm-hmm. of bangers on that album but in that particular song uh has probably has more impact today than, than it did in 97 recognize me, me nigga. nigga look into my eyes see raw visualizations of hate reincarnated in this most unadulterated form I breed, evil incarnate, solely for the purpose to mislead. What was once promising seeds are now destroyed and replaced with mischievous weeds for greed. The purpose, inseminate the bitches. Eliminate top rappers, throw their remains inside of ditches. Nigga political snitches, aid me witches. The very reason I'm able to strike so vicious. Here, take these keys that for years were not found, allowing all simians to be freed that's locked down. It returns straight back to the block. Only the cop more smack rock from cops that act not in a manner for you to prosper. You are opsa, leet unless you can handle the ball during a full court press. When the weak emotion of love fails to break hope, kneel to your master, nigga, and evoke the strongest emotion known to mankind. Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, that the attempt to do that was ahead of its time because I'm pretty sure people was like, "Alrighty then." <laughs> it was post-apocalyptic. No, listen, it was post-apocalyptic. Even with internal affairs, that was a very post-apocalyptic record. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we reached, you know, and I I I, I was feeling like um kind of got to go with these topics where cats aren't going either, but that it just felt natural, you know. It wasn't like a stretch. It's like. I'm into the films I'm into. I'm, I was in the rock music the whole time. The whole hypnotical gases is us, about us trying to change tempos in the middle of the song on two-inch tape. Like, yeah. Fast forward now. Now it's time to move on. You're ready to get your first solo album out, Internal Affairs. You go to Ruckus. You went to Ruckus at a pretty monumental time within that label's uh, history. It was at the height of the, I don't know how much you like this term, the backpack era, the the, the indie label yeah. movement. The singles. But you were right there, <laughs> man. I mean, you had three albums already under your belt, so you were a veteran in this game, and you're walking into a label that has most Def, Quali, you know, tons of this Lyricist Lounge stuff going on. I mean, it, 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 it must have been very exciting. And, um, it's like LeBron going and, to the and Lakers. And at the same time, well, I'm, I'm going to say at the same yeah. time, you being a part of the game for a minute and having 
the uh, uh, time underneath your belt and, 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 and veteran shit that you had, what was it like being on Ruckus at that time? Because things were very active back then, and Ruckus was a, a spotlight of the industry. You had fun making this album, and it sounds like you had fun making yes. this album. The other album, the Equinox, it doesn't sound like you guys had fun. This album sounds mm-hmm. like you, you had carte blanche to do what you want. You worked with some amazing artists and you made feel. some amazing music. It was feel again. But you had fun and that, and that that comes through in the music. Yeah, I did and it was liberating. And um one of the things that was liberating was, you know, I I I called it internal affairs because I was feeling a way that I thought was unfair to uh Axe P to participate in some of these thoughts I was having about songs. Um, internally, I was like, ah, man, I have like 80 records in my brain that I need to vomit out and it's fucking killing me and I need to get it out. And then, you know, I had got offers ASAP, but I was telling labels, let me work on the music so you can hear what this shit sounds like because it's, you know, it's sounding different in my head. And, um, you know, being a lover of hip hop and an MC, I was talking to my peoples and I'm like, who's the hottest and what's going on right now? Because I was in the lab heavy and who's that dopest? And he was like, yo, this is kids out of Brooklyn. I live quality and most deaf. Quali got a bookstore. They be doing shows in the bookstore. And I went to the fucking bookstore in, in Kuru Books. They had a show about 45 people, tops, and they just had routines together and shit felt authentic and fun and, oh shit, I, I fuck with these dudes. And, you know, me and Talib became cool. And Talib was the one that was like, yo, you should really um, look in the raucous because um, they got it popping right now and they're doing the singles and they probably would love to have you there. Let's go to the elephant in the room. I mean, let's just talk Simon Says. I mean, whose idea was it to place that Godzilla sample in that particular track? I mean, that is that is your solo jump off that just brought you to that next level. Um, I, I produced the record. Um, so you found that sample? Yeah, a friend of mine, my, my best friend, Liz, uh, one of my best friends, lives down the block from me. We both... We're in the martial arts shit and monster movies like everybody else was on some old school shit, 430 karate, 430 monster. Creature feature. And um right. And he was um heavy, 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 heavy rockhead. And none of my friend none of my other friends listen to rock music. So we used to listen to a lot of music together. So he's in Tower Records and he cops the C D. And he goes home and he just picked it up because he's a fan of the monster shit. And he played the shit and he calls me and he's like, dude, you're going to want to come down here and listen to this. So I go down there and we're listening to it. And it's not just the um, the Godzilla one. The whole CD got chops and shit. It's just dark and he knows I like dark fucking music. And I'm like, yo, let me get this. Took it home, and out of all the shit on there, I was like, I can flip this with the intro, right? And it's a rap. I didn't even, I, I hadn't even put the drums on. I was like, once I chopped these four bar, these these four notes, 
and put this intro. It's a rap. Did the drums. After I got the drums going, I was like, this song has to be about you telling people what to do and not asking them what to do, and it has to be direct. You had no idea how big that record would be, right? There's no way you, you knew how monumental the, the crossover appeal. I did know once I did the um, chorus in the first verse, I knew what it was. I knew how it made me feel, and I was like, I want to go crazy. <laughs> you know? Get the fuck up. Simon says, get the fuck up. Throw your hands in the sky. Weezers in the back, sipping yak, y'all, what's up? Girls, rub on your titties. Yeah. yeah, I said it, rub on your titties. New York City, pretty committee, pity the fool that act shitty in the midst of the calm, the witty. Y'all know the name. Uh, Farrell fucking March ain't a damn thing came. Uh, you all up in your range of shit, inebriated. Uh -huh. Straight from your original plan, you deviated. I deviated the pain with long-term goals. Slip my underground loop without the gold. You so fat around the world, I so wood in the hood. But when I'm in the street and shit, it's all good. Assume the motivator, boom, control the game like boom. Raider rock, clock, dollars, flip, tips like a way to block shots. Style's greater, let my lyrics anoint. If you holding up the wall and you're missing the point. And it goes back to my earlier question, too. You know what I mean? You went crazy. <laughs> so, like, you got to think, like, what's my step here? Where do I go? Because my last few records, I was tongue twisting. I was doing shit lyrically and from a rhyme stance. But you, you went into another realm, man. You, you went fucking schizophrenic in this one. This is what I love. Yeah, and, and it helps. It helps. It's why I'm excited about... The, the new shit that I'm working on because I'm trying to push to another chamber still. But that that thing is like, you know, we had Chicken on the organized albums. We had Fudge Pudge on the organized albums. And we also had, you know, things where we were trying to push the envelope in terms of cadence and flow. And so um, what I felt was important about Simon was... Again, like, being totally honest, I love monster movies. I love titties. <laughs> I, I wanted Who don't to, love titties? <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to be direct, and I wanted to be wild, and I wanted to say something, and I did, that I could say, yeah, I said that, because I know you're not expecting me right. to say that. Monsters, titties, sports. The only MC to this date, <laughs> the only MC to this date who's rapped Raul Mondesi and Ray Ordonez in a fucking song. <laughs> I mean, Farrell Monch, God bless you, my man. The reason why I'm talking up right now is because I think we're very similar in our sports uh, fandoms. I'm, I'm a Giants fan and a Mets fan. I believe you are as well, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so Shaquan Barkley better not fucking get injured, okay? And if, if you're a New York Met, you're going to get injured. I mean, are, 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 are we ever going to win again? Oh man, it's pretty. It's pretty bad it sucks, with no right? farm system and nobody to bring up and no outlook and looking like we're gonna have to get rid of one of our pictures. <laughs> kind of like hip hop, you know. Us. We gotta yeah, we gotta make much. some <laughs> some kind of hard decision quick to get better quick because I'm tired of losing. But anyway, despite the point, because nobody wants to hear us talk about a shitty ass Met fan. Well, life hold on. We have. The <laughs> but but I definitely want to appreciate the sports fandom within you and that song official 
And and again, you know, the the way you twist and, and tie all these uh, athletes' names into that song, and and just talking earlier, even in this interview about you and OC sharing that same common interest in sports. Um, it's just nice to know that sports resonates within rappers and, and comes through within the rhymes because it is a big part of a lot of people's lives back in the day when we're growing up is being athletes and being active. Sure. And, and when you hear it come through in raps, and especially when you get older and you re-listen to it and you hear names of athletes you watched growing up, it makes you appreciate even more. I, I have to agree 100,000%. And, you know, it's just nostalgic. Sports is nostalgic. It's stat-based. Absolutely. We're going to be comp comparing LeBron to Jordan and <laughs> Jordan to Oscar. And so no matter how deep you go in that, it, it's, it's always dope. Even when you go right. back and listen to official, it's a couple of things in there that I'm like, ooh, I forgot about Yo, that. Yo, rest dude. in peace, Junior Seau. That's the way you kick off that rhyme. Yeah, man. Right? That was before Say Out. Yeah. yeah. You know, all that shit happened. Really, other than Fife Dog, I don't think that many people do the references. And, and, it, and as a sport fan, I, I appreciate it. So my question to you, you're a Mets fan. You're from Queens. 86 Mets. Most swagged out, drugged out team in the history of sports? Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, shit. Like, they were fucking drinking beers and smoking cigarettes in the dugout. I don't know if Wally Backman's ever been referenced in a hip hop song. Maybe that's that's something you put on deck. <laughs> <laughs> or Mackie Sasser. Uh, fuck yeah, Sasser. I, I was a, I was a big Mackie Sasser fan, man. I thought he was going to be the shit. You had his rated rookie card, Barry Barry Lyons. <laughs> remember, remember fucking Barry Lyons? Did oh he do the play God. by play, or he was like an he announcer. was like Mackie Sacker, Sasser's backup? The '86 Mets, though, man. Even that if you guy weren't a Mets fan. At 12. <laughs> Anthony Young. Did Anthony Young go one in twenty-one? All right, let's get off the Mets. <laughs> so you're a Giants fan too. My condolences. I'm an Eagles fan. So, um, yeah, that's you know, right. We got we'll, we, yeah we got four Super Bowls. I mean, you got oh you just got your first. Uh, huh? We got Master Ace coming up soon, so he'll, he'll have my back. But um, yeah, man. So all right, I was so, happy for you guys, man. And I know as a Giants fan, like that's the rival. But I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad at the quarterback situation. It was and a good game. Oh, they I were the, the hood Patriots Super Bowl champions. Come on. Well, that's because everyone hates the Patriots. Yeah, they hate them. Exactly. I'm at the point where I just want to see a good game now, and that was a great Super Bowl. That it was, was actually yeah. fantastic. It was good to watch, for sure. So I, I know we, we jumped to sports, and it's fun. We could talk sports. You seem like a guy we could just... You don't drink, or maybe you do drink with Barry Manilow, but you seem like a dude we could just chill with and drink and talk, and you know, sports and whatnot, which is which is cool because uh, not, not a lot of rappers like sports, believe it. Everyone we speak to, they, they, um, they're in the comic books. I know Poss is huge in the comic books. Pete Rock's huge in the comic books, but not everybody's a huge sport nut. Kind of one-dimensional, right? No, you're, you're a huge sport, yeah. dude. You, you and Rob Swift and a lot of other... A few other people. That's another Met fan right there. Yeah. Arrow. Rob Swift. Yeah, man. Uh, homeboy Sandman. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. Jerry Seinfeld. That's, that's the culture. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, All right. So let's go back. So we talked about the Internal Affairs album. That was 99. It took how many years after for you to come back with Desire? I mean, it seemed like almost an eternity. Six, seven. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. After the success of Internal Affairs, I was able to go on tour with um, 
some more heavyweight cats and I learned and learned and learned a lot. And that was awesome. And who were those old school cats for you? De La Common. Yeah. Um just just amazing tours. Amazing fucking tours. But I had the legal issue over the sample with the label. And um that held up the next project uh over the Simon Says sample. So how did that go down? Um fuck, I gave them the fucking sample information and they didn't clear it. Yeah. So do you lose a lot of the money on that? I mean, how does that happen? Just so our listeners know the the, the real story of what happens. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the industry. If they cleared that sample, I'd be talking to y'all on my global phone right now. Who <laughs> 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 Barbados. Yeah. Shit. I always love breaking down the, the nonsense of how people perceive the industry. I mean, it's when we get people like you who, you know, show the real side of life and, and what really happens. I mean, that's so refreshing. So I appreciate that just from that, that angle. Yeah, man. I mean, that was a lot of it, man. Um, after a while, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be on Rockets. I don't want to be on MCA. I want to get the fuck out of here. And so I just kind of fought the get off and become a free agent. When I got off the label and I got out of the sample situation, I was touring. And I was touring with Mos and Ali and Gayla and Common. And I had a publishing deal and I was like, I'm never signing another record deal again. It's a lot of fucking heartbreak and it's a lot of pressure. What was the synergy like on that on that tour? Was that the Spit Kicker tour? Yeah, that was um, Spit Kicker and then a tour called Breed Love Odyssey. Okay. And um, with that joint, it was like a Sony PlayStation tour and then it's really dope. And um, uh, Kwali's manager came to me one night and was like, I don't, I don't think you realize the, your, your, the fandom that you have. Wow. And you're holding on to all this music, and it's unfair, and it's not godly, and it's not spiritual, and you got to put the music out. And so when I got back off tour, I played a couple of records, and um, shit kind of started a bidding war. I was writing for Puff at the time. Yeah, how did that come about? I, I, that was one of my questions. Sorry to interrupt you, but before you go, get into the next point, the Puff thing. So you were writing for Puff at the time, which was around probably mm-hmm. 2006, seven ish Yep. Okay. How did that come about? Um, I think the publishing deal, I forget, we were on the same umbrella, and he reached out to me. That's and awesome. And he was like, I love what you do. I had on a hoodie one night, and I came to a show of yours and most, and how y'all had the crowd and the vibe. I want to get some of that. And I was like, what? 
Are you fucking kidding me? That's you can't do that. <laughs> that's crazy. That, that's just a that's a crazy story because that ultimately became the downfall of the hip hop we love. Here's the kicker, though. So he tells me this, and I tell him what I'm doing. And he tells me he's he's working with Havoc and Denon Porter and all these different producers that I didn't expect him to be working with. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to the beats and I, I liked where he was going. But more so than anything else, I kind of took the job to kind of see what the A-list, so-called A-list shit sound like and to do some studying. And um, I met another dude with, with high work ethic and that was him. Obviously not on the writing side, but just um, what he applied. Um, I took a lot from that experience. Like, like I'll never work harder on somebody else's shit than my shit. So it kind of put a battery in my back after that experience. You said Porter. You worked with Porter a lot. Porter, he's an M dude, right? I mean, he was... He's a part of that camp, if I recall. There at the beginning. Okay. Like, M's first beat. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And I know M's a huge OK fan. A, a huge fan of yours. So, that's a, that's a pretty cool connection. Now, you put out you put out War. You put out the PTSD. That was the last album we heard from you was 2014. So, I want to say... As we're approaching 2019, we got to have something new come from you soon. I mean, please tell me that's the case. Yeah, it's 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 pretty insane. It's really, 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 really insane. I'm, I'm looking at the collective of, of, of records, and I'm thinking it's, it's one of my best projects ever. It's the hardest project ever. Um, In what way? And it's the, dark, it's the darkest project ever. And it's the hardest, and the bars somewhere in between extinction agenda and internal affairs. Wow. Shit. Wow. Hey, so, Pharaoh, we actually uh, interviewed Apathy, gosh, I'd say about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, prior to that interview, I, I did a little research on Apathy. You know, he's, he's, he's been around for a minute, he's been killing it lately. He had that joint, with, uh, that, uh, joint project with OC, Perestroika. And uh, mm-hmm. one, one of the things I saw during my research was, was how influential Stress the Extinction Agenda was for him in his career. And then, wouldn't you know, you and Pete Rock and Apathy get together and do that joint, Keep On, which was a freaking phenomenal record. Let me be totally honest. You want to know what made me demonic? I made it through Reaganomics with health. Listen in. Uh. With a pistol to my head, listen in to the Delphonics. Giuliani shit men to the pen. Felt infinite, but I embraced the ballpoint pen the right sentences. Yeah. Smell me. You understand the sentences. Peep the Shit. Life sentences. Come on. Is there any plans to work with him more? Because I felt you guys had great chemistry. Any chance you can maybe join in with your pal OC and, <laughs> and, and Apathy and you guys get together and just... Just three fuck three up, amigos. Fuck up the game for a minute. <laughs> yeah, me and me and App is definitely talking about doing something together. To and we that. became good friends. But you know, I wanna push, you know, if I'm not we're gonna do something, then I just don't wanna get a beat and rap. That's cool too, mm. but I want some extraordinary shit. Right. So and that or 
you know, let's let's take let's take risks. The, this new project is a heavy rock influence. Okay. It's hard as fuck. Um, it's super barred out. Some of the songs don't even have choruses. But it, it's it's everything that I've been wanting to do over the last, I'll say, eight years. So it's heavy, heavy rock influences. Let's let's talk about that because I know you you're, you know your friend grew up with you guys were into into that music, right? So I know Soul, Stevie Wonder, all that good stuff. You love it. It's an influence. But let's talk about some of the stuff that people aren't familiar with. So this album is dark, and we know you love dark shit, and it has a lot of that that metal or that rock music. What are some of the the sounds or the influences? That a you grew up on and b that inspire you today. Well, I mean, I'm a huge Zeppelin fan, mm. but I would say the record feels a little more like Sabbath mm. than Zeppelin. Wow. It still chops, and it's it, you're gonna hear it, and you're gonna be like, "This is not different." He's already this. It's just what I the darkness that I brought forward before on steroids. In terms of, uh, it's, it's very um, clear what it is. It's, it's not in between. Still, obviously, hip hop because that's the temperament when people tried to do this type of shit that I always felt was missing for me. So, my production partner from Internal Affairs, Lee Stone, spearheading the shit. It's joints from uh, from Knots. That I think okay. people are gonna kinda know it's him, but kinda be like, where the fuck did he find this? Mm. Yeah, you pushed him too. Right. That's nice. You worked with a lot of people. My question for you, and I apologize if you get this a lot, but this is something I, I as a fan, I'm always intrigued to hear. Who would you like to work with that you haven't worked with? And I, it doesn't have to be hip hop. I don't care if it's Lana Del Rey or the Chili Peppers. Who out there in, in, in music would you, Farrah Monch, like to work with? Um, right now, probably one of my favorite artists is uh, Old Girl from uh, Alabama Shakes. Yeah, okay. I'm still trying to get. Yeah, tough, I'm still man. trying to get her on this record. Hold Brittany, on, Brittany, Brittany right. Howard. Yeah. yeah, she has that soul, man. It's just on another level. But it's rock too, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's so all it's rock. Just like, yeah, I love it. Your line, my line, don't cross the line. What you like, what I like, why can't we both be right? I'm trying to defend it until there's nothing left worth winning. That's a great one, man. That's a good call. So, on on that same kind of note, what's the one record across your en- entire discography that sums up the style that exemplifies Pharrell Monch? Like, if you can choose one song. Shit. I want to say it's so many different sides, but I, I would narrow it down to probably um, Extinction Agenda, the song. Mm-hmm. 13 
maybe even uh, Queens. I was going to say that. Queens yeah. is like, it's a great, it's a great song. It, it, it's a little away from kind of that dark spot, but there is a dark spot to the beauty in that. I, I love that track, and I want the instrumental, mm-hmm. and I can't fucking get it. <laughs> I could get you the instrumental album. Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy you guys put out Extinction Agenda on vinyl. That instrumental album is amazing. I think you should do the same for internal. Yeah, man, you want to do that. So the number one question we got from our listeners, you can probably imagine, is can we expect to see another OK reunion song album in the near future? I don't know. I know... <laughs> I just sent him a beat that he loves. You know, that's where we're at with it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you guys have been on different paths since 97. Like, once you, I heard you on, on Metal Things, which is one of the greatest collabos. It was, it's stupid. It seems mm. like you guys, you know, he worked with, I know, Tom Tom C3 and, and, and a few other cats. And you guys just take different paths. And look, it's common. It, you can go down any duo in hip-hop, whether it's Havoc and P, Eric Sermon and PMD, Fife and Tip. Everyone kind of has their differences and goes their separate ways for a little bit. Even in, in, in P-Rock and CL, Guru and Premier. But, you know, you guys made history together. People uh, know you as Organized Confusion and, and, and the work that you've done. You know, a, as a fan of hip-hop uh, and a believer, you, you know, you always have that like hope in back of your mind that one day you guys will come together, <laughs> you know, and, and do something. You know, look, we get it. Native tongues may never like well, they said re- it reunite on our again, last show. Or, their last show, you we know, did. We, it, but it's, not it, it's okay to sometimes hope for things. And and I think I speak for many people that we do hope that one day happens, whether it's now or five years from now, whatever that it that it does happen. You know. Yeah, man, it, it's got to be, you know, for me, this shit has got to be super organic. And um, as long as it's that, I don't I don't care what the vibe is. Like, the vibe could be all funny shit. The vibe could be all funk shit. The producer could be this guy. The producer could be that guy. Whatever. But as long as it's organic and I can tell you on my honesty then we're good you know I'm I'm really looking forward to the new album uh, it's been a few years since we heard anything from you uh, you along with Black Thought are like my two you know 1A 1B I mean you guys are the reasons lyrics matter especially in this day and age where lyrics do not get the consistency in this game well it's yeah. a production based world right now I, I appreciate what you've done, what you continue to do, and this is the part where I, I, I guess I, I blow you up. But even though you're a Giants fan and a Mets fan, and I'm, I'm a Phillies yeah, yeah. and an Eagles fan, um, <laughs> you know, and, and we did beat you in the double header, so I, I oh, you know, up. but um, yeah, look, I, again, I look forward to the music, and and I appreciate what you've done, and and I, I appreciate you giving us your time. You're like I said earlier, you're, you're a cat. I, we could just talk to you. We could talk another hour and a half. Quite easy. Yeah, I, I know. I know every artist puts out a new project, and they're like, "This is my best shit, yo. This, yo, son, this is my best shit." <laughs> I'm feeling like there's a certain temperament of cat that's gonna be like, "Dog, 
This is his best project. Well, there you have it. Yeah. What was your favorite game on Nintendo? <laughs> he didn't play. Oh, uh, shit. Probably had to be one of the football games. Tecmo Super Bowl, Bowl baby. Tecmo Bowl. Yeah. Dave Meggett. Running that shit with Dave Meggett, I bet, right? <laughs> exactly. What's, Yo. your, what's your favorite comic book? Uh, definitely X-Men. X-Men. What about favorite film? Uh, I'm going to go non-nerd and say Cooley High or Into the Dragon. Wow, interesting. Dragon. And a lot of fans, a lot of listeners ask, favorite book? Um, The Secret. <laughs> <laughs> Octavia Butler What is it? Fledgling You got me there Yeah, I gotta look that one up I don't That know. sounds like a female-centric book Yeah, it's about a, fe- it's about a female um, black vampire Hey, Farrow, just to know that uh, 24 years ago today You, you were probably uh, champagne toasting with Prince Poe And um, <laughs> celebrating <laughs> yeah, <you're talking> <laughs> Celebrating <laughs> the extinction agenda And tonight you're talking to us So Thank you so much, man. And you know what? I just want to say this. Fuck it if I'm going to die. At least I shot the mayor. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so Appreciate it, bro. So so good to, to have you on this show. Really a great night. Appreciate Let's go, it. G-Men. Let's go, Eagles. Exactly. <laughs> Yo, thank you so much, Farrell, bro. Thank you, man. This is great. It felt all like right, y'all. We peace. Really thank you. You have a good night. Couch. All right. Take care. Peace. peace. Hey, yo, 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 this is your boy, Foul Marsh. Right now, you're listening to Take It Personal Radio with your boy, Kevlar, Philip Flavor, and DJ360. You already know what it is. At last, Heineken Zero Zero, the new beer with great taste and zero alcohol, is here. So cheers to working lunches, CrossFit crunches, Party nights you choose to drive, the weeknight meetups to watch the big match live. To all of these things we say, Heineken Zero Zero, now you can. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.